Hi again, I'm Melanie Hirshhorn, the digital content creator and marketing strategist and coach for women business owners. And welcome back to another episode of VIP Access. VIP stands for Visibility, Impact, Profit. And this podcast will get you inspired and fired up about content creation and marketing yourself and your brand. Each week, you'll get marketing and mindset strategies, actionable tips, and the motivation you need to land more clients, nurture your leads, and position yourself as an expert in your industry. We also go behind the scenes with powerful women in business to discuss strategies, messaging, and more. My mission is to empower you to stop spinning your wheels and to make your mark with your marketing. Ready to wow your ideal client and create a community of raving fans? Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, and welcome back to VIP Access. I'm Melanie Hirshhorn, known for her high energy, passionate, and enthusiastic approach to teaching and coaching. My guest, Connie Whitman, has been the CEO of Whitman & Associates LLC for more than 20 years, helping ambitious business owners, leaders, and sales teams build powerhouse organizations. A number one international best-selling author of her book, ESP, Seven Steps to Sales Success, a speaker, a podcast host, and an influencer, Connie's inspired teaching, transformational tools, and content ensure that business owners and salespeople grow their revenue streams through enhanced communication skills. As a podcast host, she's thrilled to share inspiring content on her two weekly international podcasts, The Heart-Centered Sales Leader and Enlightenment of Change. Connie has so much incredible knowledge that she is here to impart to us. Thank you so much for joining today. Thanks, Melanie. I'm so excited to be here. It's funny when uh, you know I'm interviewed or I do speaking and they say, oh, she has so much experience. I giggle and I think, yes, I'm old. And then I say, I'm seasoned. I'm hot and spicy. <laughs> yes, you are. I love it. And you know what? It's not that you have so much experience that makes you old. It's so much experience that makes you wise and incredible. I love that. Yes, I am wise beyond my years. That is for, for sure. Way, way beyond your years. 100%. Thank you. So I'm so excited to talk about sales because so often people equate sales with being sleazy, with being, you know, inauthentic, whatever we equate sales with. And, And it isn't always good, but sales is actually a beautiful thing. It's the way that you take what you're marketing and transform it into making money. So I would love today to talk about some of your, well, your ESP, <laughs> your, n- not that you can read minds, but more that you have an easy sales process. So can you tell me a bit about why sales actually really is a wonderful thing? You know, it's so funny. So a couple of things, the ESP, and I chose that title really, really because of that ESP acronym, easy sales process and extra sensory perception. But Mel, you and I know with our clients, there is an element of subconscious connection. So to some extent, we really do have to have ESP if we're listening and observing our client, which you should always be from a sales perspective. Other thing I want to comment on is that sleazy, icky, kind of perspective. And the reason for that is we've all seen Wolf of Wall Street. We've all seen the Madoff movie. De Niro was Madoff. He he did a fabulous job. 
And the other one was Glenn, Glenn Kerrigan. Glenn Kerry, Glenn Ross. Yeah. Glenn Ross. That's yes. it. I don't think Glenn Close was in it. But, no, she was um, not. <laughs> we didn't just see the Madoff movie. We lived through the Madoff movie in the news. And he made off with people's money, right? <laughs> he was so, he was well-named. Yes. Yes. Isn't that funny? But here's the reality through all of those things, those movies, there's an element of truth in them. And we know it. We've seen it. We felt it, especially in the 50s, 60s, 70s, maybe 80s, even 90s. Sales was this very pushy, obnoxious, in-your-face kind of vibe. And it's funny because I've been in sales since the 90s, really since the 80s, actually, now that I think of it. And I didn't know I was selling. My perspective on making a sale was teaching the person something that they needed, truly needed at the time it was insurance, right? And then I helped them. I protected them. And that was my job. But first, before I could make the sale, there was a level of education that had to go in it. So they understood what they were buying, why they were buying it, what was the right choice for them before they bought it. So, and just a real quick story. When I first started, I had, and I tell the story frequently, but it's important. The first clients I had when I was able to go out without my, my sales manager, it was, it was a couple and they had two little babies, little, little girls at home. He was the sole provider. He was a blue collar worker. And they, he knew if God forbid something happened to him, the wife and, do- and the daughters would be on the street. So I need life insurance. Well, I come in and I think these people can't pay their bills. They're just about putting food on the table. He wants to buy the life insurance. I could sell it to him. He's telling me he needs it. He knows he needs it. I'll make the money, whatever. They don't want to keep it. That's their problem. I could never do that. So see, my job, I felt was to go in and said, okay, he knows he needs it. That's good. Dude, you can't afford it. Let's do this. Let's work on a budget. My background's finance. I am an expert with numbers. Let me get you on a budget. Let's get money in the bank. Let's get you so you can afford this premium. So God forbid something happens to you, your, your family's taken care of. And, and they were on board. They loved it. And I taught them and we reiterated the budget to make sure it was comfortable because you still have to live, right? We worked it out. Well, I, I want to say it was about nine months later, we opened a life insurance account. He kept it. Oh, by the way, I didn't get paid once in that nine months of meeting and educating them because there was no commission to be had. I was on full commission. After the nine months, he kept the policy. So I made my money with integrity. And the other thing, this is the coolest piece of it. He became my best referrer because anybody that was like him, you need to talk to Connie. She's going to put you on a budget. (laughs) Inevitably, I made a lot of money off of that guy, that family. But because I did the right thing, he brought like-minded people to me because he knew that I would come from a place of love, care, and respect and teach them. So sales is not about making, it is about making money. And you said that too. We should be making money. We should get paid for our genius. You should, and you shouldn't feel guilty about it as long as you're doing the right thing and not making the sale to put money in your pocket and hurting the person in front of you. That to me is disgusting. I agree wholeheartedly. And I started working with a client who had originally said, I don't think I'm ready to work with you. And I said, okay. And about a week later, she sent me a text. Somebody else reached out to me that I had done a webinar with. And she said, they got me on the phone. And I said, you know, I can't afford this. And they said, well, you could just put it on credit card. (gasps) And she said, then I hung up with them and I immediately called you because I knew you would never do that. And she's been my client for almost a year and I adore her. And she is at the point now where through her marketing, she is booking out months in advance now because of the things that she has done in the program that I offer. 
So it just goes to show that you can be your authentic self in a sales call and still be able to help people and and make that sale. See, that was important because from a value standpoint, you're like, wait a minute, what can you afford right now? Really, really right. Without breaking the bank. Let's talk about that. And then little by little, we could, we could still move the needle. We'll just do it based on your budget. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you're still moving forward, right? Instead of just letting that month go, let's say you had $500, that was still $500 you could have invested in growing your business, right? Well, then what happens is they start making money. Now they're like, hey, by the way, we could do more because I'm making more money. So you come from that philosophy as, as you make money, I make money and we grow together. And that's a beautiful place to come from because, and here's the thing, and, and I'm asked this all the time, is the objection, you don't have the money real. Yes, it could be, or it could just be an excuse. So you really have to, my, my process, there's five walls of objection. Let's talk about these. I really want to talk about these. <laughs> yeah, let's start at number one. So, okay. Every time you're in a sales call or in a meeting, whatever it is that you're talking to the client, potential client, there's an obje- what we call an objectionless buyer. They're there, but because of Wolf of Wall Street and all those other movies, we have bought barriers, walls up to protect that objectionless buyer. And it's subconscious, by the way, and emotional. The first thing we need to do is prove right out of the gate that you spending time with me is worth it, that I'm not going to waste your time. So you have to come through as a professional. You have to come through with integrity, all of those things that we've talked to. To me, that's that preparation of your time is well spent here, I promise you. Second barrier that we have is, do I even like you? Are our values aligned? Is there a connection there? Or am I getting that icky vibe from you? So that second step, you can't overlook that and jump because if you do, if you think you can hurdle over each of these walls, I'm telling you, you've lost the sale because the objectionless buyer is protected by these five layers. So I have, and I think I've shared this with you. If not, we can certainly give it to your listeners my free communication style assessment. That helps you understand what is your superpowers when it comes to communication and what are your blind spots. So if you're talking to someone who their strength is your blind spot, you better learn pretty darn quick how to come from that blind spot from a communication standpoint so that that person says, oh, you totally get me, right? So that's that rapport building. We have barriers up to say, oh, you're icky. I don't want to go any further. So break that barrier down. And here's the other cool thing. The five barriers, they all have doors. And guess what? We are, everybody goes, Connie, what's your secret sauce? It's not my secret sauce. You have your own secret sauce. And we have to tap into that And as soon as we do, you literally become the master key to break down those five barricades. And I think that's an important concept to remember. So that's the first two. Are are you wasting my time? Are you within integrity and my values? Are we a match? The third one is, are you asking me questions or are you talking at me? So we have to pause and ask amazing questions. So here's the rule of thumb, questions, and then the next barricade is your ability to listen. The third and fourth wall, wow, are they tethered and they are thick. So if you're asking questions, but you're not listening, you're rather thinking, well, when they finish talking, I'm going to share blah, blah, blah. And I tell them how smart I am. And I'm so genius. Flag on the play. Wrong. 
you really should be talking about 30% of the time, and you should be listening about 70% of the time. So if you're asking those really good, open-ended, vital questions where the customer's like, ba-boom, 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 really telling you what's going on so you have a clear picture of how you can help them or how you can help them. And I'll tell you why that's important in a bit. So you're listening that 70%. You're having this amazing conversation that you're involved in the conversation, listening and asking those really important follow-up questions. As soon as you break that listening and that question, those, those two barricades, there's one more barricade left, and that's how you present. So when you go to present, a couple of things are going to happen. Well, first, and hopefully that you are a match for this client and their needs and you can help them. It is going to become crystal clear, not only the product or service, but hopefully the package of products and services that are going to be able to help them. And I'll go back to your story with your client. The whole package, she knew she needed it. I'm sure she did. She thought, I can't afford it. So you said, no worries. We could start with this. We can build an ad. And that's the next piece. When you present, your clients are not cookie cutters. You need to be able to truly modify and customize what they need, when they need, how they need, and then build that package and what it looks like today. But really, I like to build it out. My, I like to do contracts for a year because then we're really committed, but we planned it out from a budget standpoint and all those other things. Okay. So that last piece, when you present, if you are in integrity and doing the right thing and it is a match for the client, they're going to the sixth step or once you break down those barricades, the client's like, how fast can we start this? Right? It's a match. Or you're going to say to them at that sixth step, right after we've broken down the barriers, I have the objectionless buyer in front of me. I'm still in integrity. They're saying, yeah, 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 let's do it. Or you're saying to them, listen, we are a match made in heaven. You're not ready for me. I need you to sit with my friend, Melanie. I need you to get the marketing in place. Then we'll come together and be able to build out what that webinar sounds like. How do you deliver the message? How do you help customize for the client? But I'm the next piece of the puzzle. So let's do this. Let's me, you and Melanie get on a call. And then you and I will still talk monthly. So you keep me in the loop of what's going on and we'll know exactly when you and I should start. Okay. So I'm saying, whoa, you're not ready for me. And the third one is I'm not the right person for you. I can't help you with where you are. You really need to work with, I have this colleague who's exactly who you need. They're the only three things that could happen. Now, notice I didn't say, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. Oh, wait, I have to check with my partner. I have to check with my husband or wife. Notice I didn't say any any of those objections because you handle them through those first five walls that you were able to break through. So by the time you get to the objectionless buyer, three things, they're going to sign and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to say, you're not ready for me. Or the third one is, I'm not the right person. I need you to meet my colleague. And then you're referring to someone else who can truly help this client. That, and you know what the funny thing is? Every time I've done that, Mel, I'm like, wait, wait, I'm not the person you need to meet with my, my friend. Inevitably, that person will send me three to five referrals because I was integrity. They liked me. They trusted me. And they knew that when their friend or their colleague really did need sales, because they have a better understanding of what I actually do now because of our conversation, they become an amazing referral source for you too. Win, win, win all the way around. I love this. Now, I do have a question though. So you're on a sales call with somebody and you know, you can help them. They tell you now is not the appropriate time. And then somehow 
you never quite get them back. This does happen where you know they're right and they never call you again and they act as though, you know, they just keep putting you off and putting you off. I mean, when do you let go? See, I'm very quick to let go. My feeling is I will follow if they're like, hey, I'm not ready yet. What I've got a lot going on. I get it. Life is busy. It is what it is. I can't focus there. Okay. I'll follow up probably about three times, depending on what we agree upon. That's another thing. I do not follow up randomly. When do you want me to follow up? Do we want a Zoom? Do you want an email? How do you want me to follow up? So I'm really, again, customizing. It's all about customizing how they want to be communicated with. It doesn't matter what I think. It's what they think. And then by the third one, if it's the same thing, same thing, I'm busy. I'll say to them, hey, listen, I love you. I think you love me. If and when you're ready, you have my contact information. If I don't hear from you, I'll touch base in six months just to see what's going on. Kind of say a nice hello. If you're still not ready, cool. And when you are, I'm here if it's in between. So this way, I'm not holding my hat. Though I got to follow up with that person again. Because see, to me, that's when you start feeling icky and sleazy. Like, are they just blowing me off? Well, if and here's what happens. They'll go, I'm really not blowing you off. And I go, well, okay, when you're ready, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. You have my contact information. I think we're a good match. You have to make sure everything is in alignment for you. And inevitably, a month later, they're calling me saying, I'm ready now. Okay. And I say this to them. I feel like I'm becoming a pest. And that's just not who I am. You need me. I'm here. That's it. But I follow up at least three or four times until I keep getting, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. When I think, yeah, you really are. There's something else going on in their world. Part of my program is getting into the limiting beliefs. But when you're trying to even get get in bed with them, and I don't mean that in a weird way, but where you're trying to sign a contract, right? To say, hey, I think we're, we're on the same page. We can move forward and I can help you. They're not ready to jump in. I just can't push myself on them. That's, that's the sleazy, icky part. They're ready. They'll come. Absolutely. And I love that you talked about, you know, being an integrity because that is how I feel too. I don't want to ever force myself into something onto somebody if they aren't feeling comfortable about it, because they're not going to get the results either because they're not ready. So although people say the fortune is in the follow-up, sure it is, but I think there's a, but right. You want to hear my rule of thumb on follow-up? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to give you some quick stats here. Follow-up is such a critical piece of the equation because if you reach that point and you're not, it's the timing's off, you better follow up on them. But here's the reality. 2% of successful salespeople or successful businesses follow up past that fifth to 13th touch. So meanwhile, that fifth to 13 is included with that getting to know you, all of those things. A touch could be a webinar, an email, a phone call, a Zoom call, a text. I run into you at ShopRite. It touches anything like that where we've had some type of dialogue, okay? Most salespeople stop at the fourth one. So while you're in, still in conversation, you get, oh, I'm being pushy, and you back off before you should be backing off. You're still in those five walls. You haven't broken down those five walls yet. To know if that person is a fit for you or not, you have to go that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth touch before that person really understands you or you fully understand the client. We have so much going on. We have so much noise in our world that if we don't take the time to do those touches, you're going to lose the sale. It's, it's a science. It really is. And that's why my, my seven steps, the last step is that follow-up 
And then here's the cool thing, the follow-up. And I have an image in my book and, and in my training, step seven and step one, they connect. So you're always in this loop with the client, the loop, loop, loop goes on and on. Because when, when Melanie shows up in my, my CRM system that I have to follow up, whatever that is, right? I don't go, oh, let me call Melanie, see how she's doing. No, I go back to your file, my information. Where did we leave off? What do I have to do? What did I send her? What didn't she send me? I'm preparing before I even get on that phone call, Zoom call, whatever it is, or crafting my email. I want to be very precise on what I'm asking you for. So our conversations are always moving forward not staying the same and talking about the same crap over and over again. That's not a good, if that's what ha- what's happening, the client isn't a good match for you. There has to be a progression. If there's not a progression, you're done. Move away. Stop. <laughs> Back up. Beep, beep, Back beep. Up. <laughs> <laughs> this is so enlightening too, because what you're doing is you're giving us permission to follow up, but in a way that feels authentic to the way we want to be, as opposed to the way we think we're supposed to be based on the big sales and quotation marks. Okay. I have a client in New Jersey. There's a lot of traffic and he was from Connecticut, but he knew the traffic in Jersey. And we had to have this conversation. We were moving things forward. And he said, well, can we talk on this day? I said, I'm up North, you know, the traffic, blah, blah, blah. So I said, listen, I'll call you from the car between 5 and 5.15 if I know I'm not going to make it back to my office before you leave at 5.30. But then you have to take the notes and send me the email on what we discussed because I'm, I'm in the car. Deal, 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 whatever, whatever. Okay. So it's 5.15. I'm thinking there's no way I'm making it back to my office. So I call him from the car and he, you know, hello, Bill DeMichael. And he, he named the bank that he worked with. And um, I said, hey, hey, Bill, it's Con. And he says, I knew it was going to be you. He goes, you know what I almost did? I'm like, no, what? He almost said, hey, Con, how's the traffic? And he says, but then I thought my wife, you know what? We, he didn't have caller ID, right? So he said, if my wife was calling and he'd be like, who is this con that you speak of that's in traffic? <laughs> so he said, he named the bet. And, and I go, well, why were you so sure it was me? He goes, you told me you were going to call me between 5 and 5.15 on the Thursday and it's 5.15. You practice what you preach. But see, it was a joke. We laughed. I wasn't pushy because he told, we agreed to that time and place. So it doesn't become a pushy thing, but a thing that I'm delivering a service and I'm executing from a place of care, love, and respect. It works, guys. Love it. Thank you, Connie, so, so much. So how can people find you and learn about your programs and learn about all your expertise? Go to my website, which is WhitmanAssoce.com. So it's W-H-I-T-M-A-N-A-S-S-O-C.com. And then if they want to get that free communication style assessment, see their superpowers, see their blind spots and understand both. It's really a useful tool you could start using immediately. So it's WhitmanAssoce.com slash CSA. And that gets you on my email list. Amazing. Connie, thank you so much for being here today. So happy. I love hanging out with you, Mel. So much fun. You've written a book. Now what? If you're ready to implement a simple content marketing strategy to create buzz around your book and your brand, schedule your free sparkles and strategy call with me, Melanie Hirshhorn, at contentstrategycall.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of VIP Access. We can't let the fun end here. To find out how engaging your content is, take the content quiz at mycontentquiz.com. 
Plus, you're invited to join our private Facebook group at vipdigital.live slash community, where you'll get live trainings and other great tips all about digital marketing. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. This tells iTunes that you found the show helpful and they'll share it with more women business owners just like you. Thank you so much for listening.